You guys know that song, um, I don't even know the title of it, uh, Think About His Love? Think about His love, think about His goodness, think about His grace that brought us through. You guys know that one? For as high as the heavens above, you don't even know it? So great is the measure, do you know it? Of our Father's love. Great is the measure of our Father's love. I really like that song. And if I get uh, overwhelmed or frustrated, I like to sing it. And if I get overwhelmed and frustrated, my wife sings it to me sometimes. (laughs) And I actually requested that she do that. (laughs) Because she's like, you know, how can I help you? And I said, you know what? I really like that song. Because it just focuses me in on the love of God. And um, his goodness and his grace and his mercy. And um, uh, sometimes we... I guess as Stacy was alluding to, sometimes we look at the news and everything that's going on and you can uh, uh, get disappointed. <laughs> Actually, you look at the news, you get disappointed a lot. <laughs> but I don't like to stick my head in the sand. I like to know what's going on in the world as well. I just don't like to be, uh, let, let the news be the driving force of my life. I like the Word of God, inspired by the Spirit of God to be the driving force. So, uh, but nonetheless, sometimes I have to sing to myself. Think about his love, think about his goodness, think about his grace that's brought us through. Um, And higher than anything of the earth is the love of God. So, amen. We are uh, still in our Miracle Life series. And this week, uh, because uh, I kind of felt led to speak on something else last week and only started the intro... (laughs) of the inspiration, uh, we're going to be talking about the inspiration of the gospel. And um, we're going to look at a couple passages of scripture. We're going to look at um, Matthew 9, 36 to start with, and then we'll go to uh, John chapter 10 and chapter 14, and then Ephesians chapter 2. So when my wife and I came out here to visit and to pray about coming to plant a church, uh, we prayed, and when we got back, the Lord gave us a scripture, and it was Matthew chapter 9, verse 36, and, um, which says, when Jesus saw the multitude, uh, he lifted up his eyes, saw the multitude scattered as sheep without a shepherd, and he said, pray the Lord of the harvest and the laborers into his harvest field, um, <clears throat> for the harvest is huge, but the laborers are few. And um, uh, I was studying that a couple, about three weeks ago, I think it was. And, um, you know, uh, William Barclay said, when he saw the crowds, he was moved with compassion to the depths of his being, to the very depths of who he was. It's interesting, if you look in uh, the Gospels, and we talked the first week about Jesus being our model, if you look in the Gospels, and you look where Jesus was moved with compassion, there are about one, two, three, four, five, six uh, uh, scriptures that, that say he was moved with compassion. Matthew 9, 36, he was moved with compassion for them because they were weary and scattered like sheep with no shepherd. Uh, the one we just talked about. Matthew 14, 14, he was moved with compassion for them and healed their sick. Matthew 15, 32, Jesus said to his disciples, uh, to, brought him to himself and said, I have compassion on the multitude because they've continued with me three days with nothing to eat. That's pretty good. How many of us would go three days listening to a minister with nothing to eat. I'd be like, I'm hungry. Um, But you know what? 
no one ever spoke like Jesus. There was no one that really ever spoke like him. He spoke as one with authority. So he's, you know, you ever hear somebody talk about something and they really don't know what they're talking about? And you're kind of like, uh, I'm not sure I'm convinced because I'm not sure you're convinced. <laughs> uh, Jesus wasn't that way. He was fully convinced, fully persuaded, full of faith. And, uh, you know, different than any other man that had ever walked on the earth. Uh, and then you look at uh, Matthew fifteen thirty two. Now Jesus... Uh, nope, just read that one. Matthew twenty thirty four. So Jesus had compassion and touched their eyes, and immediately their eyes received sight, and they followed him. Mark one forty one. Jesus moved with compassion, stretched out his hand and touched him, and said, "I'm willing to be cleansed." And then Luke seven twelve through thirteen, um, the widow Nain with the, the little boy that was uh, in a coffin, or the young man that was in the coffin, and Jesus went and spoke to him, and he rose up because of uh, it says he had compassion on her and said, "Do not weep," and then spoke to him. Uh, <clears throat> the compassion of God, the compassion of Christ is one of the most powerful things you'll ever encounter. And when you have the compassion of God, you can see just from the life of Jesus, he showed us what God's like. So when <clears throat> God is full of compassion towards you, can somebody get me a little water or something? Um, when God is full of compassion towards you, the power of God is present. The power of God is always present, but it almost comes into a manifestation, you'd say. <clears throat> so when you feel the compassion of God coming on you, you know that um, the Lord really wants to touch that person to do something. And um, it's just interesting. That's a total side note to the message. But you look at the compassion of, of Jesus Christ and the examples in the word of God where we see um, him having compassion. And um, it's amazing what can be done. <clears throat> I was in a service in Waco, Texas. I think it was like 2002, 2003. Uh, with a minister friend of ours, and um, man, the compassion of God came in that room, and he was, um, there was a little boy that came up, and his dad had back problems, and when he came up, um, <clears throat> his dad was not there. He said, I want prayer for my dad, um, you know, and he said, well, why? Well, my daddy can't work, and he needs to work because his back's hurt and all this type of stuff, and man, the compassion of God just welled up in this minister, and so he had the mother call the father, and spoke the word to him over the phone and he was instantly healed, instantly restored. And he said, you know, he made a comment. He said, you know, when the compassion of God's in manifestation like that, it doesn't matter what it is, it's gone. It's just totally taken care of. And I think sometimes we get too clinical and say like, here's the five-step process to uh, preaching the gospel, to uh, ministering to people, to getting them healed uh, in their body. And we don't focus enough on the compassion of Jesus Christ. And I think we're all believers here. When you look at the world, and maybe you look at decisions that were made this week, like she referred to, or decisions that are made in the past, or things that other people do, it can be real confusing for a believer to understand and to comprehend. Because it's real easy to forget that we don't walk in darkness, we walk in light, and we have understanding. And like the whole world that doesn't know Jesus Christ is on this road, headed down this road that says, bridge out, dead end, you're going to die if you keep going this way. And they're just like, hey, let's get a more high-performance car and go faster, you know? But, but <clears throat> when we're with Christ, we get his light on things. We get understanding. We, get, uh, we see a lot more than what people of the world see. And um, we can comprehend it. And even, you know, the word of God tells us that, uh, you know, the preaching of the gospel is foolishness to them. 
they, they don't comprehend it, they don't understand it. And um, a lot of times we forget um, the condition of people. So we're thinking of <clears throat> looking at Jesus not as our model and then being inspired by him this week, like how he's our inspiration. When you look at people, um, most people are already dead in one way or another. You say, like, what do you mean? Like, my, if my son was listening, he'd probably say, like, what do you mean dead, you know? Well, they're dead while they live. I think I might have talked about this last week or the week before a little bit. They're just going through the motions. It's life going through the motions, and they're trying to get satisfied through any number of ways that you could think of, uh, through the pleasures of the world and through money and through power, through your job. It's real easy for people to just live... Um, a mediocre life. And that's why you see uh, when we had some of the financial downturns that uh, unfortunately people would commit suicide. Their hope was in their job or the finances that their job brought or the position or um, uh, the pride of life, but their hope wasn't in Jesus Christ. And they let uh, circumstances, those type of things overwhelm them. Most people are already dead in one way or another. Um, <clears throat> they've lost their dreams and ambitions. So most people start out and they have like these dreams, um, maybe even many times glimpses of things that the Lord has planned for them if they're not even born again. Um, man was really created a faith creature, a faith being. And then when, when uh, Adam and Eve sinned, uh, sin came into the human race uh, and mankind died uh, spiritually and uh, was separated from God. But the, the inherent dominion that God put in us uh, that we can only experience through our faith in God and through standing on his word. Uh, there's still a residue of that in man. I mean, mankind was made in the likeness and image of God. So every one of you, and I'm included in that as well, we were made in God's likeness and God's image. And we got separated from the beginning and God's dream just kind of like shattered. Because his dream was for fellowship with mankind. That's why he created men and women, uh, was for fellowship. And, you know, he knew he'd enjoy the fellowship so much, he uh, created a woman for man because he knew man needed a helper and also the fellowship. And so uh, that was um, broken in the garden. And then after that, of course, God knows the beginning from the end. He knew he was going to send Jesus Christ. He was like a lamb slain before the foundation of the earth. So before he created the earth, before he created man, he saw Jesus Christ slain uh, for anything that mankind would do. And uh, from that point forward, he's done everything he can to bring us back into fellowship. So lost dreams, lost ambitions, and lost a desire for a better life, and really compromised uh, uh, our potential. Uh, settled for a mediocre life, and settled for despair when they should have life, really life like God had it. Um, <clears throat> people get boxed in to their negative world. So uh, Sometimes you sit and hear a message and you think, man, this message is really good for Aunt Susie. I don't have an Aunt Susie, so I can say that that I know of. Um, and uh, we don't apply it to ourselves. So I'm talking about people that are not born again. But a lot of times in our own life, when we're uh, born again, we've kind of uh, heard scriptures maybe time and time again. Maybe you've been to Bible school um, uh, just through your upbringing, maybe from your parents, and we let the scriptures kind of be ordinary and typical. And this whole series is about not letting the word of God be ordinary or let the word of God be typical or let the Holy Spirit, the fact that uh, God himself has come to live inside of you and inside of me, 
We shouldn't let that be normal. We shouldn't let that be typical. We should ask the Lord for understanding and revelation of that. That's part of the reason we're teaching on this. Um, people really just choose to give up and choose to die before their time. Like, you know, I've been doing this for so long, and, or I've been believing this. I don't see any results. I don't have this. I don't have that. So I just give up. I'm just going to settle for second best. And, uh, you know, there's a lot of, not a lot of places. There's some places that I could have, like, been like, oh, yeah, let's go plant a church there. Let's do that. Let's do this, you know. And, um, uh, you know, there was a prophecy given by... Um, Kenneth Hagin, back in the 80s, talked about the blessed uh, road and the glory road. And he said, uh, just a paraphrase, like, he said, if you look down the blessed road, you're going to go down the blessed road, you look down that road and you can see it's straight, it's wide, and it's super easy to go down. But the glory road, it takes a curve and it goes up into the mountains and it curves all the way around into the mountains and goes to the top of the mountain. And when you're on the glory road, you don't really see what's around the next corner. So it can be a little uncomfortable uh, on your flesh, and it may not be the way that you would choose uh, to do things. But once you, um, if you get on the glory road and you stay on it, once you get up to the top, you enter the glory of God. So you, I, I think in a lot of times in our lives, there's many opportunities to live a blessed life. And yeah, this is good, and it's, it's a Christian thing to do, and that's the way to do it. But uh, there's also opportunities to live the glory life to go on the glory road. And, uh, you know, it's not always the uh, easiest path to follow, uh, but like he's, you know, the Spirit of God said through him, uh, when you get to the top, you enter the glory of God. And then you can say, wow, it's really all worth it. And um, when I was growing up in the denominational church, I didn't, uh, man, I didn't, not that I knew that much, but I didn't know anything about, you know, Faith, believe in God, confessing with your mouth, uh, and believe in God and seeing things come to pass. And I thought you had to be dominated by sickness and disease, and the Lord would use all that to teach you. And, um, you know, I felt called to the ministry, so I knew I, wasn't, I was going to be poor because, you know, I needed to stay humble. And uh, all the different kind of lies or human reasonings that m mostly men have come up with, and some influenced by the devil, some just through reasoning, uh, to explain things away. And, um, man, I got started to get light, and I thought, you know, my head was like, that can't be so, that can't be so. And then I started looking, and, like, I remember the first morning I heard Brother Hagin teach on prayer, and um, I thought, man, he really, I never heard anybody talk like this before. And, because uh, he's, like, talking like he talks to God, like, like Keith and I talk, you know. And I'm kind of like, whoa, what, what's that? And so it caught my head off guard. And then, you know, of course, he's going through the scriptures. And so I start reading the scripture. And I thought, I have never in my life seen that. I've never seen that before. And I'm like, that's exactly what that says. That's exactly what that says. And then he gave another scripture. And the same thing, another scripture. And my spirit was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, the, we're led, uh, as many as are led by the spirit of God, they're the sons of God. And then Proverbs tells us, Proverbs uh, twenty. Uh, 27 says, the spirit of man is the candle of the Lord, searching all the inward parts of the belly. So we're led by the spirit of God. Uh, and it's, you know, his leading, primary leading is called inward witness. So it's kind of like I'm saying like, uh, hey, do you guys see that funny blue and green pattern poster back there? And somebody would turn around and say, oh, yeah, yeah, I see that. That's the inward witness. 
It's just like a witness. Yeah, I see it too. Yeah, I agree. I, I see that. Or, hey, there was an accident. Did you see the red car hit the black car? Yeah, yeah, I saw that. I saw that. So it's more like, yeah, uh, uh, you know, it's not you should leave and go to this place and do this and do that. No, that's the inward voice, and we're not talking about that today. Uh, but that's not common, and that's not guaranteed to every believer. But what we have a guarantee for is the inward witness, uh, being sons and daughters of God. And so... Um, you start to hear the word of God and you get light on the word of God and revelation on the word of God uh, because you're born again and uh, you hear the truth and you see the truth. So many times you can get ignited and lit on fire. You call it revived or revival or whatever you want to call it. And then go through daily routines, monthly routines, yearly routines, and it just becomes sort of normal and like, yeah, yeah, that's what it is, and yeah, that's cool. And uh, Brother Osborne, who we're kind of taking this series from, <clears throat> you know, he would say, we went to the seminar in 2005 at uh, Victory Bible Institute where he was speaking, and um, he's like, you know, I'm saying these things, and you guys are all like, oh, yeah, that's cool. He's like, that's just because... You've heard it so much. In America, so blessed we have so much word. He said, if I did this in Africa, people would not be in their seats. I wouldn't be able to keep talking because they're so thrilled because they never heard it before. And um, again, the culture in Africa is a little more uh, demonstrative, so it doesn't have to be a cultural thing. But uh, let the word of God, when you hear the word, when you read the word for yourself, when you pour over it and you allow it to penetrate your heart, uh, man, let it be exciting to you. The word works when you get excited about it. When you get thrilled with the word, uh, that's when it works. So let's look at our uh, scriptures. John chapter 10, verse 10. The thief doesn't come except to steal, to kill, and to destroy. But I have come that you may have life and have it more abundantly. And then John 14, 19. A little while longer in the world, uh, and the world will see me no more. But you see me because I live, you will live also. Uh, probably my favorite there is John 10, 10. I have come that you may have life and have it more abundantly. We talked about life being zoe, the very life and nature of God himself, life the way God has it, uh, a nature just like God's, a nature that um, is of God and is from God. And, um, you know, we take our, our main scripture in Acts there from all that Jesus began to do and to teach. Um, so the big question for today is what makes our Christian faith, our belief, what makes it more than um, another religion, another belief, more than a club? What, what makes it more than that? What makes Christian faith, our Christian faith, more than a religion, more than a philosophy, more than just a group of teachings and beliefs that we have? Because there's a lot of teachings and beliefs that a lot of people have. Like, I feel like this, so this is going to be my belief, or I'm making this decision based on this. And... Um, you know, that starts to creep into um, a lot of areas. I'm glad I put it on the floor. Um, so what makes our belief more than that? It's, it's um, when we discover, when we realize that the ministry that Jesus began, that God began through Jesus, he continues through us. You know, the good thing is this room smells a little wet. Anyhow, <laughs> so it's going to con uh, will contribute to it, I guess. Uh, 
But the same ministry that Jesus began, that we saw him in the Gospels begin, and then he went to heaven, put his own blood on the heavenly holies of holies, you know, and before that he said, it's finished, his work undone is finished, and he just had to take his blood up there and come back, and then for 40 days he spoke to us of things concerning the kingdom of God, and the kingdom of God, one way to think of it, is simply uh, Jesus Christ, the king coming to live inside of you and inside of me. So he did that. He came and talked to us about it for 40 days. And then he said, I want you to wait um, in Jerusalem till you get this power from on high. And then you'd be witnesses to me in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the uttermost parts of the earth. And so um, what makes it more than that is when we discover that Jesus continues his ministry through us. Well, if he's going to continue his ministry through us, what would his ministry look like? Well, we'd have to look at the Gospels and see what the ministry of Christ was like. And then we're fortunate because we also have the Acts of the Apostles. And we can see how the Holy Ghost and men and women after Christ went to heaven, just like Jesus said when the Holy Ghost came on. And we can see how their lives were and see that as our model and see that as our example. So what makes it more than a religion or a philosophy? You know, I used to, I was stationed in Augusta, Georgia, and I remember I worked, uh, well, I worked shift work my whole time in the military. And there, I didn't work three shifts. Up here, I worked three shifts. Down there, I worked two shifts. So I would do like, I think it was uh, six days on, three days off. So I would work six days during the day and have three days off, and then work six days during the night, midnight shift, and then have three days off and do that all, all year round. And uh, so on the midnight shift, uh, as, as sometimes is in the military, you're like, hurry up and wait. So you're just waiting for things to happen in the world so that you can respond and um, um, do your job. And so it was midnight shift, so we'd always talk. And I remember uh, one of the things that uh, some of my friends would say is, you know, they knew I was a Christian, and actually then at one point I was uh, ordained in a denominational church while I was in the military. And uh, so they'd come and they'd be like question time. At night it was always question time. So uh, I had questions about angels and questions about, I can't remember all these things, uh, different things. Uh, but we'd have the one thing, well, what makes, you know, you, you believe in Jesus Christ, what makes that any different than, you know, I believe in Buddha? Or, you know, I didn't, uh, wasn't aware of any uh, Muslims that I was working with at that time, so they didn't have that, but it'd be the same as somebody saying, you know, well, I believe in Muhammad. Uh, you know, what makes, what makes your, uh, what you believe any better, any different? That's kind of what the world says. That's why I say, let's coexist and, you know, all this stuff. And, oh, you're just another one. That's cool that you're religious, you know. Just don't say Jesus is the only way because that's not right. You know, that's too exclusive. <laughs> um, I didn't say that. Jesus said it. But what makes us any different? And that's the question we really have to ask ourselves is what makes us any different? And as we talked about, the um, miraculous is what makes us different. And I think when you say the word miraculous, my mind, I know where my mind goes, immediately the untrained mind will go to like a lame person being healed, somebody that's completely crippled being healed or blind eye seeing. And that is certainly the case, that the power of God is present to set us free from uh, problems in our body. And uh, that's one of the main ways people knew that Jesus was from God because of the works that he did. Remember they said, um, go, Jesus, uh, they said, are you the Messiah, the one to come, John's disciples? And um, he said, well, you know, John's asking, they said. And he said, well, go tell John. 
you know, what you see and what happens. So they went and told John, you know, uh, hey, you know, the lame are getting healed, the blind can see. And he said, well, this is the Messiah then. This is the Messiah. Because it was prophesied, you know, um, that he would do those things. But it was the miraculous power of God. So when I first heard this, I thought, wow, that's really, that's really good. And, you know, we've prayed for people and watched uh, instant miracles, watched, uh, um, you know, people begin to amend. But still in my heart, I thought, well, for my own life, like, you know, back then I wasn't praying for people when I was first born again. I didn't even understand all of that. Uh, and you realize that uh, we know we've passed from death to life because we love the brethren. And so I say one of the primary ways that the Bible teaches us uh, that we're born again, that's miraculous, is the love of God coming into our hearts. The love of God. And so uh, when I grew up, I didn't quite understand, like, once saved, always saved. So I have been through so many altar calls when I was younger. I mean, I'm probably a professional receiver of the Lord. Uh, And then I learned better. (laughs) But... um, the love of God came into my heart and made me a different person. We're talking about the Zoe, I came that you might have life and have it more abundantly, the life and the nature of God himself. And uh, I might have said it the first week, you know, I'm a jerk without Jesus. I could be a jerk without Jesus, not all the time, but uh, it's pretty easy to do it when you're not, you know, just trusting in the Lord. And I'm so thankful for his nature inside of me. And there's people that I can tell you I definitely would not... um, want to walk in love with, but the love of God, you know, Jesus said, constrains us, and it keeps us back, and so you see, uh, how could people do that? How could people treat their own kids that way? How could people talk like that? How could people live like that? They don't have the supernatural life of God inside of them that you and I have inside of us, so that's why they do it. They're blinded. The Bible says that the devil has blinded them. Um, They can't even see. They don't even know. And so one of the main ways we know is because of um, the power of God. So one of the things I'd like to see uh, with all of us in this series is that we get much more comfortable sharing our faith and, um, you know, being um, a representative of Jesus Christ, continuing what he began. So he began and he came. He didn't do anything of his own will or his, his own thing. He didn't do his own thing. He kind of set that aside. You know, Paul said, I'm crucified with Christ. I know, it's no longer I that live, but Christ lives in me. The life I live in the body, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. So we see Jesus said, I don't do um, my own thing, but I do what the Father showed me to do. So he's our example, and we're continuing what he began. Um, the early church imitated Jesus Christ literally. Should we? Or should we not? And again, like in this series, these questions aren't just for me to say. They're for you to ponder and think about and let them turn around. Are his concepts workable or are they just a part of history? Are they just a record of history? Are biblical uh, miracles needed in this century? And, you know, they had uh, um, over in Europe and France, there was a lady that said, you know what? We don't need Bible miracles anymore because we have modern medicine. But you notice people are still dying, even with modern medicine. <laughs> and there's a whole lot more people that seem to need modern medicine now than what needed it before. And uh, so, yeah, miracles are needed today. And miracles are needed not only because you want to feel good in your body and you want people to feel good in their body, but they're needed because it's the power of God. 
to show that Jesus Christ is still alive. Um, you know, we talk about the love of God. Islam does not teach love. It actually teaches hate. Uh, Christianity teaches love. Christianity is, uh, you know, the only belief system that you'll have that teaches love like that. Christianity is uh, full of life and full of love and full of um, what God is. That substance that he is is full of zoe. So let's look at Ephesians chapter 2, verses 4 through 10. Uh, New King James. But God, who is rich in mercy because of his great love uh, with which he loved us, even when we were dead in trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. That's with, you know, again, with the life of God. By grace you've been saved and raised up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus, that in the ages to come he might show the exceeding riches of his grace and his kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you've been saved through faith, not of yourselves, it's the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. <clears throat> for we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. And then if you skip down to verse 20, having been built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone in whom the whole building fitted together grows into a holy temple in the Lord in whom we are also built together for a dwelling place of God in the spirit. So verse 22, we're built together for a dwelling place of God in the spirit. And then verse five, even when we were dead in trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. Excuse me, Jesus said, I have come that you might have life and have it more abundantly. I have come that you might have the life and nature of God and not just a little, but have it in abundance. So he came and he said, in every situation, he's the will of God. Jesus is the will of God in a human body in flesh. So you know, every time he'd have a sickness or a disease that he'd come in contact with, what would he do? He would heal it or he'd do his best to heal it. Because in his hometown, he couldn't do a lot of healings and mighty works because they didn't believe. They had just, you know, very little faith. So he couldn't really do a lot. Um, but his will was that they be healed. His will was that they be set free. Those, the, the demoniac, that he would be set free. His will is that you be healed, that you be set free. His will is that I be healed, that I be set free. Uh, his will is that we prosper and be in health. And his will is that the world wouldn't be captive to the devil, but each and every person he desires, uh, John tells us, that all be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. And he said, I have come that you may have life and have it more abundantly. So when we're born again, we get the life of God and the nature of God, and then we can do what Jesus Christ himself did. And that is take that life and nature of God and bring it to other people. That means when you come in contact with me um, and like, liking to bring stuff home, when your wife or husband or best friend comes in contact with you, they should experience something like the nature of God. Something like, you know, love that thinks the best in every situation. Something that doesn't seek its own, but something that seeks the best of the other person. And that's just uh, the nature of God. And you've got um, the power of God. Something that, you know, when uh, you're being attacked in your body and sickness is coming against you, someone that agrees with you in faith and says, you know what, we're not going to let this ravage your body. We're not going to let this happen to you. We're going to pray. And um, not just pray because uh, this is what we believe, but pray because this is the truth. Sometimes we get too focused on, uh, let's say this is what I believe, I'm going to confess it, da, da, da. Really, faith is what you're doing, so what are you doing? 
And when something comes against you financially, um, mentally, physically, is your uh, reaction from the Word of God? Does it contain the life of God? In other words, do you have an attitude of faith? Do you have a spirit of faith when that comes against you? So, you know, all of us can be knocked down. You know, you may have something like immediately that comes and you're like, oh, man, I feel terrible. That's nasty, you know, or it's just like my head's getting all clogged and... But then what do you do? Where's your faith come in? What do you believe? Like, well, I believe the word of God and I feel like this. I'm not moved by what I feel. I'm moved by what I believe. So here's what I believe. So here's what I'm going to do. So we make preparations to be well, not to be sick. We make preparations to prosper, not to have lack. We make pre- preparations to witness to people, to speak to people, not to be um, off on our own and out on our own and uh, just focused on our own. So he made us alive together with Christ. He seated us with Christ. He gave us everything that he gave to Christ. He, the same, you know, Jesus was raised from the dead by the spirit of God. Um, and that same spirit that raised him from the dead is the spirit that he gave to live inside of us, recreated us brand new with that same Holy Spirit and anointed us with that same Holy Spirit. So we have the same tools as men and women in the flesh that he gave Jesus Christ um, in the flesh. So let me finish up with this. Uh, oh, there it is. With this list right here. So I want to go through these things. Again, this is just to stir us up, help us to think. In the Old, uh, I'm going to go through some Old Testament things and some New Testament things. So in the Old Testament, Jesus was in the body of a Jewish man. And in the New Testament, the same Jesus is in the body of his believers. In the Old Testament, you have um, Christ was with them. In the New Testament, Christ is in us. In the Old Testament, you have Jesus of sacred history. In the New Testament, we have Jesus of sacred living. In the Old Testament, we have Christ in Jesus yesterday, in history, in the past. Today, it's Christ in me and Christ in you. Uh, In the Old Testament, Jesus began in one person. In the New Testament, Jesus is in all persons or people who believe on him. It's a lot better, right? (laughs) He said, it's better for you that I go away. If I don't go, the Holy Spirit can't come. Seems like there's some connection with the Holy Spirit. Otherwise, it seems like, you know, in your natural thinking, well, Jesus, he he didn't sin. Why would he die? So he died because the sin was put on and he gave up his own life and he came back. But why would he have to go back to heaven? Wouldn't it be better if he just stayed here? No, it's not. Because he, if he didn't go, the Holy Spirit couldn't come. Uh, in the Old Testament, we have the Bible description of the past. In the New Testament, we have the Bible action of today. Like, this is what's happening today. In the Old Testament, it's revelation. In the New Testament, it's manifestation. Um, it's Christ's example in human flesh. And today, it's Christ's reality in our flesh. So we see Christ's example. What is Christ? The anointed one in his anointing. It's the anointing of God. It was Jesus um, anointed of God, you could say, instead of like Jesus Christ, Jesus anointed of God. Jesus rubbed on and smeared on by God himself. Uh, So uh, Jesus Christ's example in human flesh, and today it's Christ's reality in our flesh. So it's the reality of us being anointed in our flesh. Are you getting it? So Christ, Jesus Christ of Nazareth, so that was a man 
named Jesus from Nazareth, anointed by the Spirit of God. And now it's like Keith Richards, where you live, from Stafford, anointed by the Spirit of God. The incarnation, uh, in the Old Testament, it's the incarnation of God in a Jew from Nazareth. And here, uh, now, it's the reincarnation of God in us. So we believe in reincarnation. (laughs) Never thought I'd say that like so long ago, right? Years ago. But it's it's the same um, incarnation. It's just Christ in us. Uh, It's God in us. In the Old Testament, it was God in Christ's flesh, and now it's God in our flesh. Again, like, so Jesus, how did Jesus do what he did? He went to the Father, he prayed, he saw, he heard from God, and then he acted. So if we don't have Jesus as our example, as our model, um, and then as our inspiration, we'll just live like, what do you call it? When we all get to heaven, it's going to be a glorious day. And so then we end up having like a bless me club where mine's good, my family's good, but you don't want to rock the boat. You don't want to get out there and have your name out there too much, you know, because you just got to take care of your own. That, that was not the heart of Jesus Christ. If that was the heart of Jesus Christ, he would not have laid aside all of his power and all of his glory and became like one of us. That's what he did. He did it because of love. He was motivated by love. God put that same love in us, that same motivation that motivated Jesus now is inside of us. The Bible says in King James, shed abroad. It's like as wide as it can get inside of you. And, you know, we can't even, Ephesians tells us, we can't even understand how high and deep and far and wide is the love of God. We're supposed to pray to, but we can't even comprehend it with our, with our minds. Uh, God, it was God through Christ in Bible days. Now it's Christ through believers in our day. God sent Jesus then, and he sends us now. You know, through Jesus, remember uh, Matthew 28, go into all the world, preach the gospel. And um, I'll just close with this. When Jesus said, go and preach the gospel, um, you know, he said, all power and authority in heaven and earth has been given unto me. Uh, go and preach. And then in John, chap- that's Matthew 28, and then John chapter uh, 20 we see Jesus said, uh, peace be unto you as the Father has sent me, even so send I you. So if you're like, I, I was a military guy, so you're in the military, if your commander says, you know, hey, I want you to go here, I've given you orders, I've written down the orders, and you're going to go be stationed here, and then you're going to be in charge of this, well, that's the way it is. He delegated that authority to me, so I can make the decision based on this, this, and this. So you go into your boss's office or, um, you know, any other kind of office. You could think of even going to the president's office and he says, you know, I want you to be the czar over, uh, what's the big thing right now? What do they call that? Uh, it's my background. I can't even think right now. Uh, cyber. cyber warfare. Thank you. Because they still have not assigned, as far as I know, a cyber warfare <laughs> um, czar. So I want you to be this and, you know, here, I'm writing this down, and then I would have authority to set up this whole branch and all of, this, all of these type of things with this division. Well, that's what Jesus did with us. He said, uh, you know, peace be unto you. As my Father has sent me, even so I send you. I'm so glad he said first, peace be unto you. Because <laughs> it's like, okay, listen, be calm. I'm going to give you something that passes your mind and your understanding, okay? Be calm. Now, I want you to go do what I did. 
So uh, we see that, and you know, I'm not going to go through them, but you can see uh, uh, other cases in the epistles where we've been given this authority, we've been given this position, we've been given this place to stand. We've been given the same position as Jesus Christ. We have the same rapport we talked about the first week with God that Jesus had. So um, we don't have to come to our assignment and our thinking and be intimidated. We have to come just like the whole rest of our Christian walk and our faith and say, I, I look at it like you're just holding on to this rope and you're secure. And um, uh, I want to give an example, but I don't really have time. So you've, you've, you've got this and you're secure. In my faith, my trust is in God. I'm trusting in him. And no matter what, I'm solid with him. And so as we, as we take these steps, um, I'm looking forward to all of us um, just getting refreshed and renewed in our belief in Jesus Christ and our belief in the power of God and having the ability to just, um, I believe if Jesus walked into this room right now or walked into any crowd, uh, people would notice something different about him because of his love, because of his actions, because what exudes his person. And we all have that same love, that same nature, and that same power. Not in ourselves, but because we're in Christ and he's in us. And so our goal should be that when we walk into a room, it's the same as if Jesus walked into that room. So that people would experience the same thing they would experience. So uh, the best, uh, man, you get to be a preacher and you're like, close, close, close. So the best, <laughs> the best example uh, that comes to me right now is Jesus with the woman at the well. So it's everyday activity. And he's like, hey, you know, what are you doing? Well, I'm getting water. You know, he's like, well, could you get me some water? And she's like, well, I don't, the well's very deep. I don't have anything to get it out with. And he's like, you know, you get water from there, it's not going to last very long. But I can give you water that's going to change your life and last for all eternity. He, he wasn't like, you know, I, I want to be careful. I'm fine with handing out tracts and all of that. But he, he was just everyday common. Take what we're experiencing, what people experience every day and say, hey, you ever thought about like, eventually that might dry up or, you know, this could crumble or, you know, what, what plans do you have for the future? And so really that's my heart for me and for all of us is that um, we see ourselves the way God sees us and we don't allow the devil or our own thinking to limit us in that uh, we have to make some big production of going and telling people about Jesus. We just need to be who God made us to be and live that life. And if we do that, it'll just happen automatically you, you know, may have to like, for me, you know, I'm more of an introvert, so I like to fly on the airplane and just read my book and everything like that. But so when I get on the airplane, I force myself to get out of my flesh and try to make conversation or at least make eye contact because sometimes people, they're just like, so I'll be like, look at, okay, they don't want to talk. Uh, uh, but just to allow um, the Lord to confirm his word because he can't confirm his word unless we're speaking his word and he can't speak his word. That's why he has us uh, to speak his word. And he can't lay hands on the sick. That's why he has us to lay hands on the sick. And, you know, he can't, he doesn't manufacture money in heaven. He can't give money to support something. We have to do that. And then he gives us the ability to do it. Heavenly Father, we thank you for uh, another opportunity to uh, come together around your word. Father, we just ask that you give uh, 
each person uh, that can hear this, a spirit of wisdom and revelation and knowing Jesus Christ and knowing your will, uh, your inheritance, and uh, especially your love. Father, I ask that you give us great opportunities to um, minister to people, to talk to people, uh, to tell them about your life and your love. Father, we thank you that you're the same today as you've always been, that uh, as we pray for the sick, that they recover. As we speak your word, it penetrates all the power of the enemy and all the darkness that would uh, try to surround us. Father, we thank you that our future is bright and that uh, you've given us everything that we need uh, for life and godliness through the knowledge of Jesus Christ. We plead the blood of Jesus over every family, every heart, every mind, every body. In Jesus' name, amen.